The eighth commandment is thou shalt not kill or take a life. And <clears throat> clearly, taking a life is not our job. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. And it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of uh, a living, our living God. So, you cannot take a life because he is the author of life. And he is the one that we are to fear. And knowing that He's the one that destroys the body and soul in hell. We really have to change our view of who God is if we're able to love with his love. And that is really hard to do in today's evil age because the picture that the priests and the shepherds and the prophets are giving of God is not fully accurate sometimes. If you read the Old Testament, <clears throat> you will see that he gives in his mercy, he sends his messengers to his people, the Hebrews, to constantly tell them and warn them that they are off track, they're profaning the law, they are not teaching the whole law, and the people are going astray, and they're beginning to sin, and they're falling into the ways of the world, and if they don't repent, he will have to bring judgment, and the people, his people, mock the messengers, and kill them, so he brings judgment, he brings the sword, the famine, and the pestilence to his own house. <clears throat> and this is the pattern of the history of the world. And it's never stopped. And he is the ancient of days. And he hasn't changed. He never will. He is the God that judges. And because it is in his nature that he is just, and if he didn't give justice where justice is due, it would be outside of his character, which is impossible. So he has to give justice. The truth is that this is the most amazing gift of all, is that all the judgment and all of the wrath and all of the penalty for all of our sin has already been paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. So that all we have to do is accept this forgiveness and partisan of our sin. free and then <clears throat> but if you don't accept this forgiveness with true repentance which is 
stopping doing the sin that you're doing, then what you're doing, if you don't rejoice in the Son, is you're spitting in the Father's face. Imagine someone that gave their beloved child as a sacrifice to be tortured so that you don't have to be tortured for the evil that you've done. And you said, no, I don't accept this. I'm going to keep doing my evil and I'm going to spit in your face to God. And he sends his messengers to warn and to plead and to beg, please stop doing this evil. But you say, no, I know best. I know better than God. And I will do it my way. And there comes a time when to say to you, what you're doing is okay or to not bring judgment or justice is to actually profane love and to, it would turn love into something it was never meant to be which is what has happened today and and so when I say that God is a God of wrath he's actually so much more merciful than we could possibly imagine because <clears throat> for the last 1800 years, his people have been in deep darkness. We have no idea what deep darkness we're in. And I actually told a priest today that Catholicism is the great harlot and Protestantism as her sister, which is worse than the first, how we have profaned his covenant and allowed partiality in the law. Because Christ did not come to destroy the law, but to fulfill it with love. And when we read and meditate on the Sermon on the Mount, we will find that not only did Christ not abolish the law, he called us to a much higher standard of living. His ways are not our ways, and his ways are much higher than our ways. And so, what Christ did with his death is he, by his death and sacrifice, broke the power, or he broke the old covenant. And that's the only way a covenant is broken with death. I know I've said that before on here. And by his blood, he made a new covenant. And that way of living is heaven. That yes, we are gonna be blessing those who persecute us. So, let alone thinking of killing someone is not even a question, of course. Would the Lord want us to go to war? I think I've talked about this too, 
I believe that he would want us to be in peace and turn the other cheek. Because think of what he, think of how he lived and think of what he taught. To bless those who persecute you, bless them, do not curse. Bless them. Love your enemies. The world loves their friends. It's easy to love your friends, family. But a true disciple of Christ loves their enemies because we know that the people are not our enemies. Our true battle is against principalities, councils, regimes of evil in the heavenly places. And so we have spiritual weapons. We have the word of God. We have worship. We have praise. We have the Holy Spirit. We have fasting. We have prayer. And we're warriors taking ground in the kingdom. And so we have to change our mindset to the kingdom mindset, which is, are you in? the kingdom of heaven? Are you living in the kingdom of heaven? Are you born again? Are you a new creation in Christ? Old things have passed away? Or are you not? And so I will begin on the next episode Going back to the prophetic in these last days and the last um, months, I've been sharing a lot about the Ten Commandments and holiness because we have to be made holy for heaven. If we don't choose to obey God with joy, and and His commandments are not burdensome here on earth, why would He let us into heaven? Because we would be a bunch of little devils turning heaven into hell. Which is why Adam and Eve had to leave the garden. Because they were rebellious, not repentant, blaming one another and God. Adam blamed the Lord. Why did you give me this woman? So, this is time on earth is a preparation for eternity that our spirits would be made just. And what Christ preached, and just as they killed John the Baptist, the prophet, preparing the way, what, what the prophets have always preached is the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within you. It does not come with observation. And something that is really going to be shocking to you is the sinner's prayer is not in the Bible. You, what you do when you say, Lord, I want you in my life, is you're opening the door 
allowing him to come in to your heart and begin to change you. But that does not mean just because you said a prayer that you have automatic salvation. That's a lie. It means that Christ won't give up on you. But you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And the resurrection of the just, Christ taught that we will be rewarded according to our works. And <clears throat> that there's an account being made of that. So, we are not saved by our works. We're saved by grace. But that is followed up with it's a very narrow gate to squeeze through. It's so narrow you have to really squeeze through it and be born again and die to your flesh, crucify the flesh. You have to deny yourself and you cannot be living a life of hedonism, of pleasure, of what the world is doing and be thinking that you're saved because what being a disciple of the Lord you're not righteous because you go to church or because you read your Bible or you sing nice songs of a Christian that doesn't make you righteous nor do your works it's the blood of Jesus Christ that makes you righteous but let's go into that a little deeper what he died for is everybody's sin so that whatever offense someone has done to you you can look at them and forgive them because Christ already paid the price for their sin too. And those that haven't repented really don't really know what they're forgiven for. So they're holding bitterness and unforgiveness toward others. What if somebody killed one of your family members? Are you supposed to forgive them? Yes. What if somebody raped you? Are you supposed to forgive them? Yes. So, because there's no unforgiveness in heaven. And that is heavy thing to say but if we do not forgive we are not forgiven and so we have to look at our sin which is the snake on the pole which is what 
the Lord told Nicodemus he needed to do is take a good look at it. What are you forgiven for yourself of these Ten Commandments? And more, because those aren't even uh, listing abominations that are now celebrated in the world all over. And it's so heinous and so hideous before God. But his mercy is so deep that he loves everyone in this whole world so much. And every single person, no matter what they've done, is so precious to him. And so that is how we must look at people too. Because it's the love of God that cleanses us and saves us. And so, yes, we are not to kill. The seventh commandment is thou shalt not commit adultery. And I do believe I will skip that episode for now and talk about the prophetic. Well, really to talk about scriptures being revealed and opened about his return, his second advent, which <clears throat> has been two days in the eyes of the Lord. We are about to begin the third day at dawn, because we know a day is a thousand years in the eyes of the Lord, as Moses the prophet told us in Peter. And so, love one another as I have loved you. And that's how we know a saint is by our love for one another. And the Holy Spirit testifies as the third person we have the Spirit of Christ, which is love. And so, He is coming again, but this time as the judge, as the king, and with vengeance against those that were complacent, were hypocritical, were unforgiving, with a hard heart, and when we find out what truly evil is, it's not what is being taught in the church. The church today is most often a watered-down gospel, and they rarely love the poor. There's a church in my hometown that feeds the poor, which is beautiful. I believe they do it all over the world, the Salvation Army. 
<clears throat> but just feeding the poor is not it. If you do that, but you don't have love, then you're just a banging gong or a clanging cymbal. You need to love them, and love has to be genuine. So how do you get that hard heart to be broken down? How do you love when you don't even feel love? But love is from God. Well, you have to humble yourself and repent. You only get that flesh heart from a repentant heart. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Myself, being the biggest sinner, the Lord said, who loves much is he that is forgiven much. So, and when he said, who is righteous, the Pharisee, which is a modern day church goer that goes to church and fasts three times a week, or the, the sinner that beats his breast and says, I'm not worthy, I'm I'm, I'm so, you know, unrighteous and I need the Lord. So, it's not our own righteousness. But when we're truly forgiven and when we're truly humble and truly, really, more hungering and thirsting for righteousness, mourning the peacemaker, blessing... When we truly understand and, and go alone before God and allow Him, the Holy Spirit, to convict and show us our sin, that's the only way is by repentance. And because the Holy Spirit will do that work in you, He will show you all of your sin, not in the condemning way, but in the convicting way. What you've done that was not loving to your neighbor and you're gonna get on your face on the floor and realize that he could have smited you so many times but he didn't he gave you grace he gave you something so good instead and that is what changes us is grace and so that's what we offer to the world is grace. And we can't offer something that we haven't first experienced. So you have to personally know the Holy Spirit. And that's just the beginning is repentance. And that's why John the Baptist preached repentance. That's why all the prophets have always preached repentance for the kingdom of heaven. We're going to live on earth as it is in heaven and treat each other in a heavenly way. But we're not going to do that, loving our neighbor as ourselves, Loving. Unless we start with that repentant heart. And it's going to be painful. Because he's going to strip us of our pride. And it's going to hurt. It's going to pierce our soul to the marrow, to the bone. And that's what the scripture says. And then you're going to say, Lord, 
give me a hunger to read your word because I don't feel like it. And then he's going to be faithful and give you a hunger for his word. And you're going to feast on his word. And you're going to grow fat in his word. So that you just crave the Holy Scriptures. Because when you're doing that, the Scriptures are renewing your mind into the right way of thinking. And the right way of thinking with the right synapses connecting is going to give you the right thoughts for the right behavior and the right actions it's contrary to the world and that's why he said don't don't be alarmed if they're thinking why aren't you not hanging out with us and doing the same things that you used to <clears throat> well it's because you have the holy spirit and when you have the holy spirit things that are not holy Breathe your spirit and you will see just and you will see unrighteousness and you will see good and you will see evil differently than you have before. <clears throat> being the road to salvation is so much more than being taught a lesson by a person once a week in a building because God does not dwell in a building. He dwells in the hearts of men. And the church, since the new covenant, has never needed a synagogue to exist. We've been existing for the last 2,000 years as God's holy people all over the world, being persecuted, being killed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you're not willing to forgive your neighbor, what makes you think that you would ever be willing to be killed for the gospel? You wouldn't, because your heart is already hardened and poisoned by bitterness and iniquity. It is a road of suffering to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Does he want to bless you? Of course. But he will do whatever it takes to ensure your salvation. And if that means afflicting you and causing you pain to come to a place of humility, he will do that because that is the most loving thing a father could do. Discipline his child. And that is why the word says that if you're not disciplined and chastised by the Lord, you're not his kid. You know when he's chastising you because you've done wrong if you're his kid. If you have no concept of this, you're going to need to repent and start there. The Lord loves everyone and he wants everyone to come to repentance. But it is not simply saying it, it's doing it. And that is going to cost you. It's going to cost you everything. It's going to cost you your reputation. It's going to cost you your friends, maybe family. Christ did not come to bring peace. No, he came to bring division and set a family against.
against another family. Remember, his word is a fire. And it's an all-consuming fire of love. So you can accept it or reject it. And some just can't can't accept it in this life. But in the next, it's just too heavy to even share. He's a holy God. And so he expects us and actually tells us to be holy and perfect for he is perfect and churches are saying this slogan we're not perfect people come to our church be imperfect with us that is not a Christian thing to say because we should all be striving for perfection and of course we're not perfect but that's not the goal to remain imperfect the goal is to become like Christ and so if that's not your goal make it make it your goal repent our heaven is at hand and we have a very small amount of time before the king returns